Hello, everybody. This is Katie Ridenauer. Thank you for joining me for this EC collaborative call. Uh, you know, Leaders Building Leaders is excited to offer this time every week. And, you know, we really look forward to bringing this community together to serve you during COVID-19. Because we know everybody's kind of struggling with, you know, how to manage during this time, especially serving our children with special needs. So, you know, so this group is really your group to come and bring questions. Tom told me that he put out a question to the group. Um, how are you preparing for the last day of school? And I'll tell you, uh, I'm on all sorts of like teacher and principal Facebook pages. And that is the same question everybody's asking. I'm on one uh, Facebook page that has over 3000 principals from all over the country you know, who are members and they ask that same question all the time. And, you know, the preparedness level varies from people who are like, yeah, we know what's going on to, we have no idea. We're waiting for our school district to tell us what to do. You know, so, so where are you all? Where are you all with thinking about how to serve your kids in the fall um, so you can do it well and make sure they continue to grow, they get their needs met. Um, you know, who would like to kick it off with uh, a question or some ideas that they've had for serving their kids? Katie, can I chime in? Please, Tracy, I would love you to. So I'm thinking about what we talked about the other day, yesterday, mm -hmm. and, you know, our mission and our plan. Mm -hmm. so I, you know, obviously we need to do something for the last day of school, but I think at the same time, we really need to assure our parents and our students that we have a plan. You know, even if it's not a full plan, you know, let them know mm -hmm. what our new mission is or what our mission, how it's going to look when we come back. Again, we don't know exactly what that's gonna look like, but, but we can assure them on that last day of school, whatever we plan to do with that information, just to show them that we're thinking ahead and we're excited that they're coming back and we have a plan. Right. So, so I'm glad you said that, Tracy, because I think during any kind of stressful time, communication is, is very important because people are going to assume the worst if there's no communication. So you have to communicate it and then over communicate it and then you have to live it. Right. So Tracy, do you have any ideas on, you know, like buckets or categories that people, you know, EC directors and EC teachers should be thinking about you know, to communicate to their parents? Uh, that's a great question, Katie. So, you know, obviously, one bucket would be services will continue. You know, we are going to con continue to individualize and look at the skill deficits and address those skill deficits, whether it be with special education or with related services. Mm -hmm. um, because we don't know if we're going to be back in brick and mortar, I mean, we hope to, mm -hmm. but that we will ensure to the best of our abilities specially designed instruction and as you spoke about that open communication what you what we plan on that looking like for the fall mm -hmm. um i i just think you know for you know you know being a parent of a student with a disability that would and he's grown now but that was that's critical just knowing that they care they are going to continue to provide specially designed instruction and that they're going to communicate to the best of their ability. You know, for me, that's all I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure other people on the call have much more to say. No, Tracy, I appreciate you kicking it off because, 
you know, uh, I understand, you know, they want to know the service is going to continue. There's going to be specially designed curriculum for their child. And, but that last one that you care, that's really what any parent wants to hear special needs or not. They want to know that you care. And so that you've taken the time to communicate it and that, you know, here's what I'm going to do. And it can be tweaked but at least you're thinking about it and you're starting to cultivate a plan for the fall. So I really appreciate those ideas, Tracy. It's really helpful. Anybody else, what else would you add to the list that Tracy has started for us? You can throw it in the chat or feel free to unmute yourself and, and share your thoughts. Keisha, what is on your mind? I'll, I'll, sorry to call you out, but what do you, how would you, what, what do your parents need to hear from you? Oh, unmute yourself real quick, please. There I you go. Agree, I do agree with uh, Tracy as far as the communication. Mm -hmm. um, I know um, as a, you know, we've been, the admin, we've been contacting all grades 9 through 11 in regards to the PC-19, you know, the numeric grade. But just in, even when she was talking, I was thinking about for next year, even when we call requesting that information, parents, you know, they, they, you know, they always say, well, thank you for calling and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so, so I, that's something next year that um, I would like for us to do with our, um, EC population, well, general mm -hmm. ed population as well, is to increase the communication mm -hmm. because they do want to hear us. They, you know, they, they do want to know that um, we support them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just this morning I was reading this book. I think I have it. Oh, it's right here. It's called The Happiness Project or Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. Uh, and he was talking about this Japanese concept called Kaizen, and maybe I'm not even pronouncing it correctly, but it's K-A-I-Z-E-N, and that stands for continuous improvement. And that none of us are perfect, right? But that we are continually improving. And in this, in the, um, you know, I'm in principle number six, he talks about how there are gonna be blocks to our continuous improvement. And as long as we can recognize what those blocks are, and continue, we'll continue to, to move forward. Uh, the title of the book, Rhonda, is The Happiness Advantage. I'm sorry, I was really quick with that. Um, you know, so on that theme of Kaizen, of continuous improvement, you know, how does that relate to serving your EC population, especially now? You know, what have you learned during COVID-19 about how to meet your students' needs? Hey, this is Tracy. Mm -hmm. I just thought of something that um, my grandchildren have gotten from their teachers. And I think at the end of the school year, if we could, uh, the special ed teachers, administrators, uh, they just sent a postcard that says, you know, how much they miss them. And this is what, you know, this is what we hope to be when we go back to school in mm. 2021. And I think, you know, that's easy to do, just a little postcard, the postage's not that expensive, you know, maybe it's a picture of the school, whatever, but, you know, just improving that communication because, you know, when you talk about continuous improvement, I would have to say that when I was an EC teacher, I tried my best to communicate with my parents, but I didn't always embrace 
communication with my parents that didn't have phones or emails mm. or that kind of thing. So, you know, going back to the basics, I think. Yeah, I mean, if it was easy, you could communicate them, right? Communicate with them. But, um, but I think, you know, that could be an obstacle, like if they don't have email, although I think maybe nowadays that, that's easier to come by. But some parents don't respond by email. But everybody gets the U.S. Postal Service, right? So if you, and a postcard can serve as a physical lifeline. You know, that child will have that postcard all summer. Like, okay, my, my teacher cares about me. There's a plan. I'm going to keep growing. And that's for the child and for the parent as well. Um, so I think that's a great example of, of your growth, Tracy, and, and, and how we can all run into that. Like, we'll do things that can be easy to do, um, but it's when we run into those bumps that we have to have a, a plan. Uh, so what are some other things that get in the way of serving your students? Anything come to mind for anybody? Katie, this is Tracy. <laughs> yeah, I love no. it, I love it, go ahead. I've heard from many of the Acadia North Star Charter School clients, and a lot of them are saying that, you know, they, they have certainly put it out there, the Google Classroom, the Zoom meetings, the, the office hours, you know, the, the emails with the outlines of what instruction they're providing, but they're just, the kids are just not connecting. They've talked to parents, and the parents are saying, this is really hard, I'm trying to work, my kids are not motivated by the computer, we're done. Hmm. And I think we have to embrace that. And we have to say, you know, for some of our students, that's the reality. So, you know, is there something that we could, um, not for us to provide, but to, you know, to say, this might be something you want to access over the summer, you know, some hmm. free resources that they could maybe have a bit of fun. Mm -hmm. Because I'm really, I'm hearing that, I'm hearing that frustration what we did last week when we did the COVID-19 survey for Matt Hoskins. I heard a lot of that frustration that, you know, we're putting it out there and they're just not accessing it. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because I was just talking with a neighbor of mine who is a fourth grade teacher and she's the mother of four. And I said, so how's it going? And she said, um, you know, it, it's a, you know, we have our peaks and our valleys. And, but for her kindergartner, she's like, she's done. She, she won't do it. She'll do her Zoom calls. She'll do the, you know, she'll have lunch with her teacher, but she won't do any of the work. You know, so this is a teacher who is having a hard time getting her kindergarten daughter. And her daughter came outside and I said, hey, you know, how's kindergarten going? She's like, oh, I don't, I don't do work anymore. <laughs> Just matter of fact. I don't, I don't do work anymore. And, and so, you know, here, this is a child from a, you know, middle-class home, educated family, and she's done. And they have every resource available. She has her own computer, you know, and she has parents who are well able. And even that parent is struggling, you know, so yep. yeah. And then add on top of that, if the child had a learning disability, right? So, so what, it, you know, I'd love to hear if anybody's had any breakthroughs with with you know with a child like this this one I just described who might just be nope I don't I don't do any more work. Well, it's funny because I have a grandson Brooks who's in the kindergarten and thank goodness he's you know bright but he's left-handed and 
it's a disability in that he's left-handed and everybody else in the world is right-handed. And right. he really struggles with writing. And so um, I know it's not like a light bulb went off, but I said, Katie, that's my daughter's name. I said, Katie, let him keyboard. I mean, yes, he's going to have to learn to write with his left hand, but if he's frustrated with writing stories or paragraphs or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. phonetical, let him use the keyboard. I mean, mm -hmm. he rejected that. So why should he struggle? Again, I know how important it is that he writes, but it is a daily struggle. So mm -hmm. why are we doing it? <laughs> yeah, you have to mix it up. You know, uh, you, you have to, so maybe do half the assignments in written form and then the other half on the computer, just so, so you get the task done, which, you know, is developing an idea, not necessarily using your hand muscles, you know, Correct. I, you know, I think, yeah, I think that flexibility is key during this time. Absolutely. Um, okay. Anybody else? I'd love to hear what you're doing with these hard to reach kids. You know, especially with the EC kids who might check out. So I'll go. Okay, go ahead, Lori. Um, so I am so fortunate that we have a small population, can, you know, compared to some other schools. And, and my, my caseloads are small. So my teachers have about 10 kids on each of their caseloads. Hmm. And we have had kids who just checked out or, or just didn't even engage. And it's one thing, it's one thing, to have this all happen as an emergency and unexpected. Uh, and so we've got a lot of leeway right now for what's happened, but uh -huh. we're not gonna have that same leeway in the fall because now we've, we've know what's coming and we, and now we have to just get better at it. So uh -huh. for our kids, I was um, explaining this to one of my teachers, you know, we have to find the, the fit how is that kid going to learn in this distance learning environment? And Zoom obviously didn't work or, you know, whatever format. We have to find just like a learning style. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to find the hook and really think, because it isn't that many kids, at least for me, because, again, our population is small. But we have, you know, maybe five or six kids that are really not participating. Mm -hmm. We need to we need to respond and find a way for them to uh, engage because the format may not change in the fall. You're right. Yeah, this might become the new norm, and you don't want those kids checking out for good, so right? We do, you know, we do. You know, the case managers are we're communicating. Sometimes I think the parents think we're communicating too much, <laughs> but. Um, we just need to have these frank conversations with the parents because for them, it's the same way. It's one thing when it's an emergency, it's a whole other when it's a plan. Mm -hmm. And they have, to, they have to engage with us because otherwise now the kids are going to be considered absent. It's going to be a different form. You know, it's going to be a whole different mindset because we knew this was going to happen. Yeah, and that, that brings up a good point, Lori, because now nobody is being called truant if they don't come to virtual school. Um, I imagine that's going to change if this becomes our norm that we, you know, we pivot to remote learning regularly, that there's going to be a whole process for taking attendance and then when do you report for truancy and that sort of thing. So that would seem to me like that has to be communicated to parents 
loudly and clearly because they've known, you know, since their child was in school, what happens if they don't go to school? They know they have a legal obligation. It's gotten a little fuzzy now that we're in remote learning. Maybe my child has to go, maybe not. Um, and Keisha has a question here. To help us plan more effectively, when will the state discuss plans for 2020, 2021? Mm -hmm. Rhonda, have you heard anything definitively? She's shaking her head. No. Um, the legislature comes back for the short session in a couple of weeks, but uh, you know that's supposed to be mostly geared toward budget-related mm -hmm. items. Um, so, unfortunately, no. I know Superintendent Johnson said on last week's call from the Office of Charter Schools that they are working on a plan, but there was no date for delivery. Uh, there, they did share out a few, um, and we put it in our school leadership Facebook page. If you're not a member of that, um, you know, please search school leadership community and you know request to join, and we'll add you. Uh, but in that post. They had a plan from Maryland, Missouri, and there were two other states that had fully fleshed plans. And we've been, if I had the link real handy, I'd put it in the chat. Um, maybe I'll get a chance to do that. But they, um, but these plans, you know, what they do is they just give you options. They give you ideas to think about how schools could, you know, could come back. And um, maybe your school director, if you're not one, you know, they're already thinking along those lines. But Keisha, I don't have a date for you for North Carolina, unfortunately. I wish, um, I wish we did. Uh, but, you know, going back to that neighbor of mine, one of the things the mom said was, Katie, this is, she's like, I can't even help her because the school has given us eight different platforms to work on. And she starts naming, you know, Seesaw, Canvas, you know, all these different dojo, you know, whatever. And she's like, it's just too much. You know, she's like, I have four kids. We have a million platforms. She's like, I can't, I, I can't keep up with it. And so what I heard was that she needs a simple plan. She needs to know this is what your child's going to do. This is when she's going to do it. These are the requirements. And this is what we expect from you. I don't know. What, what have you guys heard from, what do you think parents need to know? What do students need to know so, so their children feel welcome and, and also responsible to do their work? Hey, are you there, Katie? It's Teresa. Hi, Teresa. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I called in today. But yeah, we had a conversation like that earlier with our faculty meeting. You know, a teacher said, are we going to switch to, I think she said Canvas, and we've all been using Google Classroom. And, mm -hmm. you know, we talked about that for a few minutes, and we want to keep it so simple, like why fix what's not broken, you know, and add on to another platform, you know, and on the EC side of things, too, they're using Google Classroom, and they're meeting with the students individually, but it's it's consistently inconsistent because, you know, some of these kids bounce from like house to house or they're with grandparents one week or mom another week and they're not all getting the same communication. So it's hard mm -hmm. throughout the summer too, you know, who's going to be where as people start going back to work. So we were talking about just keeping it super simple, you know, as we move forward and not changing what we're doing because, it doesn't seem broken and we're going to get the negative feedback every now and then, but for the most part, it's been positive. So just, you know, keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think you're exactly right on Teresa. That was a good question. Um, instead of saying, Oh, if that's what you want to do, just go ahead. Are you really evaluating? Is that what our parents need right now? Do they need another platform to get used to managing, even though they're all kind of similar, they still have their unique 
peculiarities, right? Yeah, and whether they know about a different platform or not, they still want the guidance regardless. Mm -hmm. So So that's more time for your teachers. Students have to onboard, parents have to onboard, Mm -hmm. and that's time away from instruction. Still trying to get their way free. Katie, I think your point is well taken. I know with my two grandchildren, they have six different platforms they have to engage in, and it's, okay. it's hard. But but the other thing I was thinking of when I was hearing, when I was listening to Teresa, I thought, you know, God bless, because I love Google Classroom. But I was also thinking, how many of us have reached out to North Carolina Virtual School and K-12 Connections and said, hey, can you give us some tips? Because mm. they've been doing it, and they are our virtual school. So, you know, give us some tips. And I think the other thing that I listened when I was listening to Teresa is, goodness gracious, you're right. We've got parents right now who are home because of COVID. But mm-hmm. come the fall, come 2020-21, they may be back in their um, physical spaces. And if we go to virtual, who's going to watch the children? So Right. Yeah, yeah no, totally valid. Um, that's exactly right. And we did have Joel Medley on here and, you know, from K-12 uh, talking, but, you know, he didn't share necessarily, you know, their, their, their list of platforms or anything like that. And so I think that would be a good follow-up question for Tom and I to, to go back to him and say, can we have your plans? You know, like, how do you guys deliver instruction? Cause he seemed very open to that. Um, yeah, so your point's well taken. Let's go to the people who've been doing this for a while. And K-12, um, you know, they've been doing this for a long time, and they're in almost every state. Now, I did find the Maryland plan, the return to, um, you know, the return to school plan. So I'm going to put it here in the chat. So it's 50-some pages long, uh, but, but it, it covers everything from, you know, what does a hybrid situation to a staggered entry to uh, remote learning to transportation, nutrition, you know, so it does cover, you know, there's an exceptional children's section in there as well. So it gives you a nice sketch, you know, but some other resources to check out. Um, the CDC has done a great job of um, outlining, you know, here are best practices for schools. And, you know, what they say over and over is that, you know, schools need to focus on education and instruction and not health. Um, not to adopt new health protocols. They need to go to their local health department to find out what they recommend and then implement that instead of coming up with their own uh, because we're not doctors, we are educators. So they're saying, stay in your lane. But the CDC and the American um, Academy of Pediatrics, they also have put out some recommendations too. Um, I know that's an overload of information, but I don't know, you know, you might be like me, you want to know what your options are, what's out there, what, what's, what are best practices, and, and some, those are some of the sources that I've found um, to be really helpful. Okay, anybody else have ideas of how do you connect with those kids who are opting out of education? If you do, put it in the chat or feel free to unmute yourself. What about Courtney? Courtney, you always have some great ideas. She might be feeling shy today. Okay, well, I also wanted to go over a document that I found. Um, This is the CDC's, you know, do you consider opening or not document? Are you all, 
let's see, let me fix my screen. So you guys see the right thing. Okay, so you all, are you all seeing the document that says schools during the COVID-19 pandemic? Okay, thank you, Rhonda. Uh, so this is a nice, really great, you know, visual to help you decide. You know, so starting on the left, should you consider opening? You know, will reopening be consistent with applicable state and local orders? And it walks you through. If you have any no's, do not open. So then if it's all yeses, you go to the next one. Are recommended health and safety actions in place? You know, so you have your health protocols, cleaning protocols, social distancing protocols, and employees are trained. If you have any no's, meet safeguards first. If you're all yeses, then you go to the third one is ongoing monitoring play in place. And again, if you have any no's, you know, then, then you meet the safeguards first. And then if you have all yeses, open and monitor. I think that's going to be, you know, monitor, monitor, monitor is going to be uh, the catchphrase uh, moving forward. So when you see this step-by-step -step guide from the CDC, you know, what questions come to mind specifically for you know, for your EC students. You know, what about uh, students with sensory integration issues wearing a mask? What does, what does that make you think about? Or having to wash their hands frequently, not touching their face, um, you know, keeping social distancing, you know, what are some things that come to mind for you? So we had my, my speech pathologist called me today and said she wanted to have, she was hearing that other speech pathologists were requesting plexiglass to go as a barrier between her and the students she was seeing, even at like a one-on-one, -on -one, because they wouldn't be able to stay six feet apart when they're doing speech therapy. Mm -hmm. They had the glass and then with the hole, you know, underneath so that you could slide the work mm -hmm. under that and then on a wooden platform so you could move it so she wanted she wanted it four feet long and two feet high and so we started measuring tables and then we're then you're going down a rabbit hole well is she the only one that would need a a, a, plexi, a plexiglass would it be an ec teacher mm. um and then of course you know mr duncan just talked me off the ledge <laughs> And said, you know, it would, it, the other alternative is that all the services would be online, even if the student was in the building. Mm -hmm. So the student would be escorted from their classroom by an assistant and taken to an empty room so that, so that the student isn't coming into contact with five or six different people out mm -hmm. of the cohort. And then in the, in the room of where the therapy is going to, he's on a computer. And it could be the speech pathologist is just in the next room. Hmm, I see. But then, or the EC teacher. Okay. And all the services would then be provided online, even if you were still in the building. Which oh. I just thought was a whole different, and he said, then I don't have to go buy a plexiglass. Right, yeah, you don't have to worry, like, is this really safe enough for everybody involved? And is it, is it reasonable and feasible and affordable? Um, yeah, I love that flexible thinking, you know, good old Ted Duncan, you know, that, you know, he's going to kind of think through and around that. I, I love that. That's a great example, Lori, of, you know, how are you going to still serve your students, keep them safe, and, and not drive yourself crazy, 
you know, with, you know, keeping these protocols um, respected. So I think that's a thank you for offering that example. But Katie, you put something out there earlier about, you know, face masks and behind a plexiglass. I mean, I'm thinking of students that fall in the spectrum, you know, that's going to be really hard for them or yeah. students that have, you know, um, respiratory issues to have a mask on all the time or, mm -hmm. you know, teachers using gloves, you know, that just that sensory, you know, that could really be um, an issue for some of our students and we really need to think through that. So we've had some parents already come forward and request homebound for mm. those students who are at the very high end of those um, at-risk uh, levels. And we haven't really responded yet because we just don't know enough, but uh -huh. I can see where I might have several students uh, at home full-time just because their immune system isn't healthy enough to be in the school building. Yeah, no, that's a good point about what what are the protocols for homebound services? Um, and man, you know, that can get really expensive, right? Because then you have to provide instruction according to your homebound policy. Well, so, yeah, but I mean, it would still be up to the team to determine the format. Right. In this situation, <laughs> I had the parents say, I want all, all instruction online mm -hmm. for my child because they have a compromised immune system. I have a note from the doctor, and she would not want anyone in her house. Right. So for her, that might be an easier. Yeah. Path, but um, I haven't had to deal with some of the other situations where they want a teacher in the building, in the house. Right. <laughs> because that yeah. might not even be allowed, you know, because of, of protecting the teacher. That's right. And I think that's what we need clear guidance on. You know what because and I think you're smart to hold off on answering that question because you know once you allow one because of the uh, uh, you know comprised immune system that's right. yeah, that's um, right. it can be a slippery slip not that I don't want you to serve people I, I don't want you to hear me saying that but I just think this is a time for caution and planning instead of making a decision that is is going to be painful later you know yeah, no, those are some great points. Um, yeah, because, you know, I saw a cartoon and uh, it was meant to be funny, but it was all too realistic is you had a kid saying, oh, you know, you have a cheap mask. I have an expensive mask. Another kid coughing on another kid and the teacher's trying to teach, right? You know, they're in a classroom and, and that's just kids, right? That That's kids doing their job. So, you know, has anybody thought about how do you stave off those kinds of incidents in the classroom? Is it regular classroom management strategy or, you know, what, what do we do to keep the focus off the mask or off the social distancing and on the education? You know, Katie, it's Teresa again. We talked about that today too. You know, we have a student, he has a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, so how feasible is that to keep, you know, a six foot distance, mm -hmm. you know, he's got this one-on-one -on -one with him all day and then how much classroom management versus delivery of instruction is happening you know are you mm -hmm. micromanaging the plexiglass all day and the mask and then how much learning is actually taking place because there's so much monitoring of like kindergarten through third grade students and what they're doing you know we've one of our teachers sent out a cartoon and it's like that's my mask no you're wearing my mask you took you know it's like yeah. it's a 
logistical like nightmare when you think about it like oh I don't want to be the one whose kid puts on the wrong mask and it's just all these moving parts so yeah really hard that's right and you know we're as Americans you know we can't expect to um that our children are going to implement what we are seeing going on in China, right? You know, where we have children who are walking up lockstep, they're, they're getting disinfected, they're doing their hands, they're throwing away their mask, they're putting on a new one, um, they're walking six feet apart, you know, they're, they're wearing things on their head to keep spacing in the classroom. And, and we just have a different culture, right? We have not raised our kids at least right now, where everybody's 100% obedient all the time, um, it's it's a different culture. So when I watch the videos of of these very obedient Asian children, and I know that's their best. I know not every kid there is perfect, um, but I think, wow, this it, America's going to have to amend that. Uh, so Rhonda has a comment in here. Well, we need to have COVID-19 etiquette tutorials for staff, parents, and students. Will student handbooks need to reflect these changes and the corresponding consequences? I think those, that's a great question. Uh, I'm thinking of a Facebook post that I saw that said, uh, teachers, you lied. My child is not a joy to have in class. <laughs> right? So I think parents are now more than ever going to be open to understanding why we need their children to be ready to learn when they come to school, not only to stay healthy, but so some learning can happen. So I think we're really poised to make some real change in how parents and teachers communicate and how the responsibility that the parents have to make sure their kids are ready to learn. So yeah, so what do you guys think about Rhonda's questions? Are we gonna need these COVID-19 etiquette tutorials? And you know, what kind of policy changes do you see happening? I'd love to hear your ideas. Hi, Allie Schneider here from UCS. Hi, um, Allie. I think that, I mean, probably there would have to be some sort of, I don't know if it would need to be like a tutorial necessarily, but a welcome back letter and saying, you know, these are the things that we're going to be doing. Please do these. Mm -hmm. um, I know that our for the end of the school year, we're doing a parade through the parking lot. And so we have different um, last names coming at set times, but all the teachers will be out there and we'll all be wearing masks. And one thing that we're asking for the parents is that if they're going to interact with teachers at all, that they also have masks on. Mm -hmm. and so it's, I guess just even starting now at the end of the year, I don't think that everybody has masks readily available to them. And, you know, how are we going to tell a parent, oh, you don't have a mask on, you can't come into the school or in, you know, in our car line, oh, you don't have a mask on, don't roll down your window, just shout at me through the window. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, how are we, how, how to manage that and do it respectfully. That's right, you know, because I know when I was a school leader, when I gave parents directions, it didn't always, it wasn't always received well. You know, I remember, you know, we didn't allow parents to walk their children to class. It just, we found it was too disruptive. And so I had a mom come and uh, she wanted to tell me something. And, um, and, you know, I was already aware of the situation. So I said, I'm going to take care of it today and I'll be, I'll give you a call later, you know, once I understand the full situation. So I looked at her daughter and I said, okay, give your mom a kiss goodbye and head to class. And they did that. And I, and then the mom still stood there 
and I said, uh, it was great seeing you. I'll give you a call later. You know, why don't you head over to your car? And, and she got mad at me. She's like, who are you to tell me what to do? Why can't I walk? You know, she wanted to have this confrontation. So over something as simple as that, she wanted to have a confrontation. Now we're going to ask people, you have to wear a mask. You might not be able to come on school property, right? So this, these are harder conversations to have, right? So I think you're right, Allie. We have to start these conversations now, and we have to keep practicing them. We have to prepare our teachers how to have these conversations, uh, because a lot of teachers I know are really comfortable with students and giving them directions. But boy, if you ask them to, to email a parent or call a parent and give them directions, they're not as comfortable. But with practice, everyone gets better. So I like Rhonda's question about these tutorials. And I, I'm imagining that maybe you do videos and you, you send home like, okay, we're going to practice, you know, today, this week, we want you to practice walking six feet apart. So, okay, if you have a brother and a sister or a mom and a dad and a child, Show them what six feet looks like, and that's how you walk through your house. Okay, now we want you to wear your mask. Wear your mask while you're doing your, your, your ELA today. And, you know, and just look at what happens. What, you know, how do you feel? Do you feel like you need to touch your face? <laughs> um, you know, but, but, you know, scaffolding them so they can prepare for the fall. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about that idea? Does that seem realistic, or am I just being... You know, kind of pie in the sky that this is a possibility. I love it. I love you. I love your idea, Katie. I think that's great. I mean, it really it puts the focus back on safety, mm -hmm. good health, and it, it involves the parents and the children. And it's just this is what it, it, this is could be what the new normal looks like. I think that's a great idea. Wish I had thought of it. Yeah, steal it. It's great. You know, that's what this call is all about is for you all to have ideas. And I just came up with that because of Rhonda's question, because I hadn't thought about that. But I thought, man, what would my child need? I have three kids. What would what will they need to know and practice in order to be ready to go back to school? Now, my kids are older. But what about little kids? They're going to need that. They're they want to do the right thing. I think most kids want to do the right thing, but they need that chance to practice doing the right thing. And, and man, our world has changed. So the right thing looks a little different than it ever has before. I mean, I was just, I ran some errands at lunch and, you know, walking into Walmart, it is a whole different world than it used to be, right? I mean, I was just walking to the return section. I was going to return a hair product and they said, oh, that's a health and safety product. We can't return that. Maybe in a couple of weeks, the state will allow us I said, really? You can't return this hair product? She's like, no, it's considered a health and safety product, so we don't have permission. That is a strange new world that we are living. I said, okay, I'll come back. Um, so, so then, so what kind of changes are going to, are, are, you know, in the EC department, you know, what kind of policies are you going to need in order to, to manage your students? You know, think about it from a, we, you know, we have policies, so we, so we know, you know, what to do, like, what are we allowed to do? And, and then what are the procedures that are going to have to come out of it specifically for EC, um, for the EC department? Any ideas? I think, Katie, that this um, new world we're living in is going to be, it's going to add a whole new level to school culture, mm -hmm. you know, uh, more of a focus on the health and safety. And it'll take a lot of communication, you know, written notes home, 
videos, tutorials, uh, practice on the first few days of school. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I know that um, one of the most important parts of classroom management is for students to understand how, how you do things in a yep. classroom. What mm -hmm. are, what, what, uh, how do you uh, turn in papers? How do you um, get the teacher's attention? So uh, those types of behaviors become part of classroom management. And this will be uh, just another addition to managing your classroom and managing your school. You're absolutely right. Um, that you have to set expectations. So first the teacher has to know what they are right? The teachers have to be aware of what the school and the state is requiring them to do. Then they need to translate it into kid language, right? Whatever, whatever developmental level you teach, you're going to have to put it in their language and, and put it in a mental model that they can understand. So if you say um, six feet apart, for a kindergartner, what would that mean? What does six feet look to them? Is that the length of I don't know what six feet is it a is it a teeter totter? Okay, well, half of it. No, we don't do teeter totters anymore. I don't know. Help me out, guys. What would, what would be six feet to a kindergartner? I'm not in that world anymore. I'm but, not either. <laughs> yeah, but that's what we have to do is we have to translate it into their world, right? A so tabletop. A tabletop is often six feet. Great. Perfect, Tracy. Right. So, okay, guys, think of your kitchen table. You know, you're on one end, your mom's on the other. That's how far you have to be from your classmates. Right. And actually have, you could have a table, you could get a card table, um, you know, borrow it from your church or something and, and put it in there and have kids practice. So they get the feel for what six feet they can get, you know, they can see what it looks like and feel like, and, and then it'll become normal. And then middle school is going to be a little different. High school is going to be a little different. Um, yeah, so I think that that's a really good point because classroom management is tough anyway, but now we're adding this whole other layer that we have to add on to this. What other ideas do you guys have about how you're going to enter this brave new world with your students in the fall? I hope I haven't gotten everybody's head spinning like, oh, I don't want to be in this brave new world. <laughs> I see it as kind of exciting because I, I, I might have said it on this call before, but I think schools have been given way too many responsibilities over the last 20, 30 years uh, that, you know, parents, I've, I've had a sister-in-law tell me when my kid's at school, he's their problem. And I thought, no, he's always your child. No matter where he is, he is always your child. Um, but here she is, college educated woman, and she was ready to abdicate her authority for her son because that's the school's problem. And I think we're gonna see some rebalancing of that now that parents are with their kids all day, every day. Um, you might not hear as much, well, he never does that at home. Because <laughs> now they're doing it at home. <laughs> you know what, Katie, I'm thinking is, uh, it, this reminds me of 9-11. I remember when I used to go through airports prior to 9-11, even internationally, there were times that nobody even checked my passport. Yeah. And after 9-11, you know, it takes an act of Congress virtually to travel internationally. My husband and I were coming home from Germany and we had to go through five different security stops before we ever got on the airplane. So, and that was uh, just back in September. This will be our, for schools, this will be our 9-11. There, there will be mm -hmm. three 
the way we did things prior to the pandemic and now the way we do things after the pandemic. And it'll just be, um, it'll just be the way we are, the way we do things. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, we've been needing to get into the 21st century in our classrooms. You know, it's been 20 years, right? It's 2020. Uh, but we haven't changed education in the last 100 years. Not very much. I mean, we've added some technology. But if you go into a lot of classrooms, they look very similar to the way they looked 100 years ago. So that's why I think this is an exciting time. The way we serve kids can change. Um, so I did want to... Um, to to, to, to bring up a few more things before our time wraps up. Uh, you know, so Tom and I started this call for COVID-19 and we're gonna continue this call. Next week we have a guest speaker from California. She's the director of special ed for an online group out there and she'll come in and you know, they've been creating plans. So bring your questions. You know, all the questions that we had today that were all our heads are still spinning about, you know, like what policies are gonna have to be written? You know, what kind of, COVID-19 etiquette questions are we, or, or tutorials are we going to have to provide? Um, you know, what's the normal going to look like? You know, bring those questions next week. So we're going to have her as our guest speaker next week. Uh, but, but as we think about winding down this call, we haven't come up with a date yet because as long as you all show up, we're going to show up too. But we will sunset it eventually. Um, but then after that, what would benefit you the most? You know, put in the chat box, you know, what kind of ongoing support do you all need, um, you know, to make sure you get the most up-to-date information? You're asking the questions that, that will help move you forward. You know, put in the chat box or unmute yourself. What kind of support on an ongoing basis could we provide or could we connect you with? This collaborative call has been great to hear from other school leaders, what they're thinking, what they're doing, you know, hearing what some of your ideas. I mean, I just think this collaborative call, if these could continue, the Zoom meeting has been great. Oh, good. Thank you for that feedback, Tracy. We, um, we love it too. We really enjoy it. And you know what we've started on Mondays, we run masterminds for school leaders. So we have nine school leaders in an 11 o'clock, one o'clock and three o'clock, and they come on and, um, and, you know, we could do something like that for, for the EC population as well, if that's something that would serve you, where you, um, you come in and you have an action step that you have told us about the previous week and you update us on your action step. And then three people are in the hot seat where we, we say, okay, what's your question that you have or your problem that you want solved? And then you have eight other school leaders or eight other EC directors or EC teachers who give you their ideas. Um, it's kind of like our principal consortium. If any of you have been to the principal consortium that Tom and I do during normal times, we go to high-performing schools and we walk the halls and see what makes them high-performing. Um, but you get to, we do this once a week. So, you know, we could consider something like that for this pop, you know, for the EC group. So if that's something that you would be interested in us developing, please put in the chat. Yes, count me in, you know, let me know, you know, give me some feedback I can bring back to Tom. Uh, he's doing a training today, by the way. That's why he's not with us. But let me know if that's, if that's something that you all would be interested in doing. But if there's nothing else, I will uh, wish you all well. And thank you so much for joining me. If you want to unmute yourself and say goodbye to your EC friends and family, that would be great.
Thanks, Katie, Rhonda, and everybody on the call. You've been great. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Thanks, guys.